Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Student athletes at the collegiate level have to balance a plethora of responsibilities, both academic and athletic. For one of those student athletes, meteorology plays a huge role on the academic side of things. Harrison Prieto is a student at Florida State University and on the men's basketball team and is currently pursuing a master's degree. We're sitting down today to talk about how he balances that, how weather became such an important part of who he is, and where he sees himself moving forward. Harrison, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thanks for having me, Dr. Shepard. Well, this is super awesome because, you know, I'm, you know, he, he's part of the new blood. And that's some inside talk for those of you that may know a little bit about Florida State basketball. I am actually a three-time Florida State alum and a big basketball fan. So it's really an honor to have Harrison on the show today. You know, even though you're one of our special guests today, I've got to start out with the same question I ask every Weather Geeks guest. How'd you become a Weather Geek? Yeah, so that's an interesting story. I think everybody has like a story where, you know, something happened and then they got into, you know, meteorology. So for me, um, I guess I was interested in meteorology before this a little bit, but then um, once Hurricane Katrina happened, I'm from the New Orleans area. So not exactly New Orleans, but just north of um, the lake. And uh, yeah, so Katrina happens, we stay through it. Uh, and just an incredible experience, um, horrifying in some aspects, but also just fascinating. And so you go through something like that and I was hooked. It was like every, every year I'm, I'm paying attention to what's going on in hurricane season, uh, watching tornado outbreaks, stuff like that. And then, you know, you, you get into it. All right, we got to go to school. What am I going to go for? It's what I've always wanted to do. So um, I go for meteorology, get my first degree. I'm like, I need another one. So I go for a second degree working on my master's now. Yeah, but this is really an interesting story because that part of your story is very consistent with many of our stories about some some experience with weather. But you have a different element. Now, you know, when I was in school, I knew I wanted to be a meteorologist as well. I was from Georgia. Florida State had a really good meteorology program, so that's how I targeted it. Um, but in your case, I mean, you're you're sort of a D1 athlete as well. So mm -hmm. how did you navigate this idea of identifying Florida State, but also basketball? I mean, I, was that something that was, was were both goals always there that sort of one find the other? Or how'd that come about? Yeah, so I think I'm probably different than most Division One athletes in this sense, because um, I, I decided my senior year of high school, you know, I'm going to school for meteorology. Um, I, that was that was it. And if I could make basketball work somehow, I would. I probably coming out of high school wasn't a good enough player to play pretty much anywhere in Division One. Um, so I had talked to a few schools or whatever, had some walk on spots and um, that I could have taken. But I decided I'm going for meteorology. I got to get, you know, the rest of my life figured out before I figure out what I, you know, what I want to do for fun in college. And so I came to Florida State and I had reached out to the coaching staff here and said, you know, I want to walk on. Here's like a highlight tape, whatever. So they bring me in. I go through a tryout process and I get a call one day. I'm sitting in my dorm room, I remember. Um, so this is I'm already on campus at this point. 
And I get a call from Coach Dan Jones, and he says, hey, we want you to come out to practice, um, you know, wear something like gym shorts and t-shirt. And so um, I come out, I watch practice for two days. Third day, they let me hold a pad, you know, on some of the bigger guys and just, you know, kind of get out there and get my feet wet. And then by the fourth day, I was practicing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it happened where I didn't determine that I was going to play basketball in college. I wanted to, you know, do my meteorology and then, and then see where the you know basketball could fit in there maybe so yeah this is a really interesting story i've got a daughter that plays volleyball harrison and she's in her senior year getting all kinds of bites and interest from coaches but she's like you she really is focused on where she wants to go to college academically first that's not the uh, the volleyball is not driving in fact i don't even think she's going to play collegiately but just to be clear um when you heard harrison's story um to be clear here in this 2021-22 season harrison is on the court and getting quality minutes uh uh, you know, I watch most of their games. And so, you know, he, he's on the court and doing his thing. Uh, we're going to get to this in a moment because it's fascinating to me because I know collegiate athlete schedules and I also know how hard meteorology is. <laughs> and so uh, as someone with degrees in the subject, so I want to get there. But before I do that, I want to sort of backtrack a little bit and just give, uh, introduce Harrison a little bit more to you. He graduated from St. Paul School in uh, Covington, Louisiana in 2016. Uh, he led St. Paul's to a school record 31 consecutive wins. He has a passion for weather, as you heard, because of Hurricane Katrina. He earned his Bachelor of Science degree in meteorology in May 2020. So he is officially a meteorologist. And if you go to his Twitter site, I was kind of looking at his Twitter site. He lists that first, by the way, as a meteorologist. That's, that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I feel that because I identify the same way. I, I do a lot of things. Uh, host weather geeks do all kinds of things but at the end of the day i remind people i'm a meteorologist and a scientist um fsu basketball two-time uh, team captain named to the academics the academic dean's list five times so he knows his stuff uh and three-time golden torch winner which is awarded by the florida state uh, department of athletic and the seminole boosters annually for outstanding academic achievements and you know that's just an honor because again this you know i had warwick done on the television version of weather geeks several years ago and also um another tight end that played football at Wisconsin uh, and the rigors talk to us talk about the rigors of your schedule I want to kind of go back to your undergrad days first because it's a little bit different than uh, masters uh, how did you balance the rigors of a meteorology degree which is very physics calculus math based and basketball practice and travel to games and so forth yeah I mean there was a learning curve you know I remember for sure um, the second semester of my freshman year, I was in a calculus two class and I had gotten back from a road trip at 630 or so in the morning. Right. So we're getting back. The sun's just coming up um, and I've got a calc two exam at 8 a.m. Right. So I bomb it. Don't do well. <laughs> and uh, I had to drop the class. And I remember thinking, all right, I've got to figure out how I'm going to make this whole thing work, you know, because you go in and. And, and you've got this really hard coursework and then you've got the schedule, you know, where, where it's unpredictable. We weren't supposed to get in at six in the morning, but we did. And so I've got to figure out how to parse my time out to where I can get everything done. So what I ended up doing, um, especially as I got older and got into some really hard classes, dynamics two, dynamics one, um, some of the synoptic classes is I would go to practice. And then after practice, I'd go back to the love building, which is the meteorology building on campus here at Florida state. Um, and I would just sit there with other students and say, you know, I'll help you with this or you help me with this and sit there for a couple hours every night, four or five hours, some nights even, 
Like, I remember I did my fair share of nights of leaving the love building at midnight or something. <laughs> get my study in and homework done. It was so much, you know? And so do that, go home, go to sleep, wake up, class, practice, do it all over again. So, um, yeah, I mean, really difficult. Uh, but I think, you know, I wish, you know, we had a graduation per se because we didn't with COVID and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even having our, our makeup graduation here last May, it was really rewarding just to be like, I did it. You know, I was able to make everything work out for me. Um, I'm still trying to do it right now. You know, you got to you gotta finish out. So we talked with Harrison Prieto from the Florida State University men's basketball team. And he's also a meteorologist. And that's why I wanted him on Weather Geeks. I mean, I just wanted to talk to him and kind of hear his story. So this is awesome. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. But I mentioned that you are now in graduate school. You're working on a master's degree. And I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I assume it is because they said it. But I was the other night when I was watching the Purdue game, I believe one of the fellows said that you're you're working on your master's degree. I think they said you're teaching uh, an intro course or had taught one. I, I'm assuming that's Meteorology 1010. Yeah, um, it's the lab version. I'm the, so you're, you're helping with the lab. Okay, yes. And that's what we have our grad students do as well. So talk to us, the listeners, about the differences between being a graduate student in meteorology versus an undergraduate. And tell us about, I don't know if you're doing the thesis option or if you're doing comprehensives. Tell us about your research and what you're planning to do. Yeah, so, um, I mean, one of the, you already hit on it, one of the biggest changes between undergrad and grad school is you get to teach a little bit. You know, you you work and you're learning and you're learning in undergrad, and then you get to grad school and you get the opportunity to teach students. And I think that's pretty important to me. My sister, um, she's an elementary school teacher. And so going through this process of teaching students has really taught me um, just how much respect I have for her and, and teachers and stuff, because it's not easy. It's not easy at all, but it's important. And, and also teaching to each student's interest. You know, I've got a lot of students that are not um, interested in meteorology, really. They're just taking a natural science lab. And so how do I get these students to take something out of the class, you know, and not bog them down and skew tees and stuff like that? Because for the most part, they're not really interested in that kind of stuff. But I can go in and say, okay, but this is interesting. If you, you know, if you look at this, we can figure out if it's going to rain or if there's going to be snow and stuff like that. And so um, just trying to get the little things out. So that's interesting. That's one part. Um, obviously, um, classes. So I've got a couple classes and then I'm um, working on my thesis right now uh, as part of my master's degree. And so that I'm doing with Dr. Reese Parkett. And we're looking at um, ozone concentrations with frontal interactions, basically. Um, and so what we think we're going to you know, look at in some aspects is just like, one, how do fronts impact um, tropospheric ozone? And then two, what impacts could that have on other people, whether it's you know, socioeconomic, because one of the things that we know is that um, cities can actually plan budgets and stuff based on how much surface air pollution there is, right? So based on how much ozone there is or how fronts impact ozone and um, changing climate, you can go through and um, based off that interaction, learn a lot about you know, how financially you know, governments are going to have to have to change over time. Oh, wow. So that's really sort of a very sort of physical science-y topic, but also certainly implications for society and, and what exactly. you're planning to do. So you're, you're sounds like you're sort of still in the research formulation thesis phase right now. Have you right, a exactly. proposal yet or? Yeah. I mean, we're just, we're working on a lot of just coding right now. So I'm just working on making sure everything um, goes right and I have everything down. And then once, you know, 
once I do that, just it's, it's a lot of statistical analysis type of stuff. Um, so just going in and, and working on that right now, that's the biggest this, thing. This is fascinating to me. Again, I'm talking to a D1 athlete who's playing, who's on the court, but yeah, we're geeking out on ozone and tropospheric interactions with fronts. And he just mentioned coding. What do you use? What's your coding language? You said statistics. I don't know if it's R or Python or what, what are you using? Uh, MATLAB right now. You're yeah. using MATLAB. And I should have mentioned MATLAB as well, because I know that's a heavily statistics pack, package as well. We've got students that deal with MATLAB as well. Um, when I come back on the podcast, I'm going to ask Harrison about some other things that you're going to want to hear his answers to. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm geeking out today with Harrison Prieto from the Florida State University basketball team. But, and first and foremost, and I love this, He's a meteorologist and he identifies strongly with being a meteorologist. I got to ask you this question because I get it a lot too. You know, people find out I'm a meteorologist and they immediately start asking me the weather, what the forecast is going to be tomorrow. Is my daughter's wedding next May going to get rained out? <laughs> I'm sure you get those things too. Are, are you the for- team forecaster? Are the, are the guys coming up to you or Coach Ham asking you what the weather's going to be when you're traveling somewhere? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's what's the weather going to be when we get there? I've gotten, um, one thing I get a lot actually is how much turbulence are we going to have on this flight? Okay. Um, so that's a big one around here. And obviously you know, we're in, we're in Florida, living in the Florida panhandle here. So anytime there's a tropical storm hurricane threat, um, they obviously are calling my line wanting to know what's going on. With it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's actually fun though. I like, I like doing that. It's my passion. I love when other people will come up and ask me, you know, about it basically. Yeah. So it's interesting. You mentioned, by the way, I'm not a big fan of air travel. So I'm always as a meteorologist, when I you fly on planes, I would always check the turbulence forecast as well and see where the jet stream was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember coming back from Phoenix from an AMS meeting one time we flew across a really strong jet stream core and boy, it was a little bumpy. And I told the, yeah. the person next to me, I was like, get ready. And he was like, how do you know that? And I said, I'm a meteorologist. <laughs> so I, I, I always tell people we have a, a, an extra sense of what's going on when we're flying because so much about aviation is so inherently tied to meteorology. Mm-hmm. I love flying. I, I know that's a little different than you, but I love being able to look out the window. And I've told people this before. I can look out the window and understand every little thing that's going yes. on. Exactly. And that's really cool to me. It's, it's like I can go outside and see what's, you know, clouds here, not clouds there. Um, I saw a couple of flights ago or, or the last flight we took, actually, I saw some Kelvin Helmholtz clouds. 
Um, yes. I couldn't really get a good picture of it, but I mean, that's just so cool to me because they're, they're not the most common cloud that you'll see. Um, so yeah, that I, I love flying for that. And even if there's a little turbulence, that doesn't bother me. Yeah, no, I, you know, one of my colleagues at the at University of Georgia is Dr. John Knox, who um, has spent a lot of his career working on turbulence. So had many a conversation with him. Now I want to, this is an interesting question that one of our producers um, wanted me to ask you. Uh, is there anything about meteorology that you've learned that is applicable in your athletic career or vice versa? Is there anything that you have gained in your career as a, um, a collegiate athlete or prior that has helped you with meteorology? I think, I think there's a couple things. So one is just like work ethic. Um, I high school swam really a lot. I was probably a better swimmer than a basketball player in high school. Um, and the work ethic I learned swimming and playing basketball at the same time helped me balance my basketball and meteorology in college. But I think the number one thing that I've learned from athletics and kind of transfers over to meteorology uh, is, you know, everybody fills out a bracket every year for the, the March Madness tournament, right? And it amazes me that people will, you know, they can do their bracket every year and they probably get 60 to 70% of the games wrong, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then they look at their, their meteorologist on TV and all they do is, oh, you're never right, you're never right. Well, predicting the future is hard. Yeah. And, and you can't, you're not very good at it because I've seen your March Madness bracket. <laughs> right. but, but you're mad at the meteorologist because they're you know, off by a couple of degrees or something, or maybe there's a 40% chance of rain and it rains and you're mad. So uh, that's, that's one of the funny things uh, is that there's this, this societal interest on trying to predict the future for the sport I'm in. And then they get mad when somebody's doing actually a pretty good job of the yeah, urology uh, world. So uh, that's, that's interesting, I think, just to see that paradigm and be a part of both. Yeah, I, I always talk about that too, Harrison, because, you know, meteorologists are actually right most of the time. People yeah. just tend to remember the occasional one or two times that they may I mean, miss. You could be a 100% free throw shooter, right? But if you're shooting a free throw in the game for the national championship, you miss, that's the one people are going to be talking about. Exactly, even, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's so right. That's, that's kind of what we deal with. I remember, you know, explaining to a woman one time and she was like well it's a 30 percent chance of rain today and it's raining see those meteorologists don't know what they were talking about and i was like, well it was not a zero percent chance of rain man yeah. you know it's a probabilistic forecast covering an area so that forecast wasn't wrong at all so i, I find a lot of times it's just misunderstanding and misinformation on what we do as meteorologists same, same thing with the hurricane cone which you're very familiar with from your katrina story people most people don't understand the hurricane cone um they, they think if it doesn't go down the center of that cone the forecast was wrong so i'm curious do you been a lot of time sort of explaining these types of things? I try to. I think um, just as a meteorological community, one of the things that we need to work on going forward is um, kind of our communication and education of, public, of the public, because there is a lot of misunderstanding with um, chances of rain even. You know, I, I saw there was a famous TikTok um, that went viral or something, and it, it tried to explain the chance of rain, and it just wasn't exactly right. But then I had everybody sending me texts, hey, you know, is this true? Is this true? And I'm like, well, it's not exactly right. So like, don't, don't buy it. Don't believe it because it, it changes how the public perceives things. So um, I think that's something that, you know, I don't know if I'm the person to do it, but I think going forward, it's really important that we look into the communication aspect of um, helping everybody else understand what we're talking about. Cause we know, you know, you and I can have a conversation about some really complex things and I get it. Um, but 
my dad may not understand it or somebody, my neighbor might not understand it. So how do we explain to them what's going on? Yeah, I, I, I think you're hitting on something very, very important and perhaps something, well, it's the question I'm going to next because I'm curious about what are your future plans after your master's degree? So I'm trying to figure it out because um, yeah, things are still up in the air. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think I want to do something um, you know, in the weather data analytics world. Um, obviously, you grow up and you want to be the guy on TV. But I don't know. I don't know if that's just in the cards for me. I don't know if I was meant to be that person. Uh, have you have you done out. any of that? Yeah, I've done a little bit of um, a little bit of like broadcast stuff and practicing with the FSU weather team, um, and it's fun. I like doing it. Uh, but at the end of the day, maybe maybe somewhere I get into that. I don't know if the opportunity presents itself. I probably would, but I want to focus on having the skills to not rely on maybe going into broadcast or something like that and try to do. Um, yeah, data analytics for companies and stuff as you know, I think that's a pretty big area of the field moving forward. Yeah. So getting into that, seeing how it works out for me, I think that would be the best, best option. Yeah, I think you're hitting on something that I tell my students at the University of Georgia. I mean, when I was walking the halls of the Love Building in Harrison, most people there were either planning to go on TV or work for the National Weather Service, and then there'd be some that go on, would go on to graduate school. The world of meteorology for the listeners, particularly the younger listeners out there, Weather Geeks podcast, uh, the world of meteorology has changed. The biggest job market is going to be in the private sector. And yeah. I think data analytics, um, AI, machine learning, all of those things are where the opportunities are going to be. So I, I, mean, I commend you for sort of, sort of looking into that area because I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity there. Yeah, and I do. I mean, I think there's always going to be a place for the broadcast side of things. Oh, absolutely. Right? I think that's that's incredibly important. And the Weather Service, they do a phenomenal job, you know. And and I actually did a student volunteer program with uh, the Weather Service here in Tallahassee for uh, quite a while, probably about a year, uh, and just getting to see how they operate on a daily basis, what they do, what goes into making a forecast for them, how much training they get. Um, I mean, it's, it was really kind of, you know, pulling aside the curtain there to see what's behind it and really interesting they do a phenomenal job though and and so that will always be there you know we're always going to need that but i think as we move forward into the future um that's going to be just a huge aspect data analytics and stuff so i kind of wanted to just hop in there see what happens and and you know if something else presents itself maybe <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to carvana it doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. And today, wearing my proud three-time Florida State alumni hat, as I'm talking to Harrison Prado from the Florida State University. Uh, shout out to Josh Bexler, someone that you don't often hear about uh, on the podcast directly, but uh, someone that makes all of these amazing guests that we have. I mean, I was just talking to the uh, head of NOAA and the head of the National Weather Service last week. I'm talking to Harrison today. So shout out to Josh Bexler for all he does on, on behalf of the podcast as well. And also best of luck to Sarah Dillingham, who is our former Weather Geeks producer who has moved on to uh, a new role and a new um, place in South Carolina. So I wanted to just briefly take that moment. Now, Harrison, I want to get back to that. Look, this Weather Geeks likes to give listeners insight into things they just wouldn't know about. So a question I wanted to ask you is from two perspectives. What is a typical day like for you on a day that you have a, a basketball game? Okay. How so, does that day progress? It depends on, you know, if it's a school day or not, but let's just assume that it is. So I'll go in and do whatever I got to do for school. Maybe that's a class, teach a class, um, work on my thesis, stuff like that. Uh, I'll go in in the morning, take care of that. And if it's a seven o'clock game, we will have a shoot around at, at two o'clock. So five hours before the game, we'll do a shoot around. Um, and that just, you know, it's exactly what it sounds like. You do, you know, shooting, post perimeter stuff. So, so the guards go on one end, the big deal on the other. Uh, run through our final game preps of what we're going to do, how we want to defend things. Um, and then we go up an hour, you know, an hour after that's done, we go up and eat our pregame meal, come back down after that's finished. So now it's, we're looking at about three hours, three hours, 15 minutes before the game. Um, and we do shooting groups. So we go through with Coach Charlton Young and do um, little 20 minute shooting drills. And then after that, it's shower, get taped, uh, go out and warm up for about 75 minutes to 90 minutes before the game. Once that's done, we go ahead and get things started and try to win us a game. On the away games, do you all stay overnight or do you fly back on a charter that night? I, I, I was having this conversation with my wife the other night because we were watching Atlanta Hawks and Dominique Wilkins was talking about how they used to stay overnight when they play, but these days there's charter flights. Yeah, so we'll go up the night before the game. I think for the Rock Hill game you were mentioning earlier, we're going to go up on Friday. So we'll be up two nights before. Uh, that's not the most common thing. And then as soon as the game's over, we go straight to the airport, head on home. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, was, yeah. I was curious about that. Yeah, I was in the locker room and go. So. Wow. That's nice. Okay. I was curious about that because I knew different people did it uh, in different ways. Has there ever been a situation where your two worlds collided or conflicted with each other in the sense that, oh, we got practice, but I got to teach this lab or, or something along those lines? Or has it always been pretty smooth sailing? Uh, I, there's one funny story. I, I think I've told it to a few people before, but um, there was one day last year we had the NC State game. Um, so we're playing NC State at night and uh, I wake up in the morning and I check my phone and I look at, at the radar because I, you know, I knew there was going to be some bad weather. And all of a sudden I see the supercell south of town, kind of west of the airport. Uh, so I got a game that night. I got class and then I got, you know, so I got to be there kind of early. And so it's probably, I don't know, 1030 in the morning or something. So I'm like, okay, well, I got to go check this out. I got to go do this. So I'm thinking about Tallahassee. Where's a spot that I can go and find, you know, see what's going on because I don't want to be chasing in the trees or anything. So I run down to the airport, which is pretty much the only place that's a wide open field. Uh, it just so happens that it's well oriented for this kind of situation where I've got a storm coming in from the West and I can kind of see what's going on. Uh, and so I'm sitting there right by the airport in front of the radar um and I, i'm like 
you know, it pops up tornado warning. I'm like, this, I'm, I think might need to get out of the way here. <laughs> so, uh, I think I remember this day, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm sitting right there and last minute I'm like, I got to go. I can't see the tornado because um, it's rain wrapped. And so I'm like, I, I got to get out of here. So I peel out, drive about a mile up the road, come on back a few minutes later and a tornado had actually hit the airport. And so I took a couple of pictures of it, posted on Twitter, got back to my house. I think 15 minutes later, I'm in class, 15 minutes after that, after class ends, I'm going to go into uh, the gym for a game. So uh, yeah, that was a fun day though, right? Does it get any better than that? You get to chase the tornado exactly. in the morning and then play basketball at night. Yeah. And I, I, and I just, you know, we're, we're wired differently as meteorologists. We just really are as weather geeks because I would totally have done that. I mean, it's, you know, even around here, I mean, there's just times when there are things that are going on and my family's like, what are you doing? I'm just running between the windows or running outside to see what's going on. I mean, I, you know, why, you, I don't know. I mean, in this, how, what, do you have any thought? I mean, because you mentioned sort of how, um, how your experience with Katrina and then that experience you just shared at the NC State. I mean, you, have, you, have you given any thought to why we're wired this way? I mean, because I think most people in our field, and, you know, some people go into their profession because, well, I can make a lot of money or, oh, it's just that's what my family's done. That's what we expect. I mean, I, I find that people that do meteorology, there's a passion there. Do, do you yeah, agree? I, I definitely agree. You know, I feel it. You feel it every day when there's weather going on, even like last night, right? So it's 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and I look out my, my window, and there's fog. And I got to go outside and look at fog. Um, I think I think it's just an appreciation that uh, – I don't know if it's just the type of people that we are, but there's just a, a huge appreciation for, like, the natural world. I think um, the raw power sometimes, but also the, the beauty in it. I think we all feel that and see that, you know, every weather geek out there kind of feels that. And so um, that's kind of what I think it is. I think you've kind of hit on a little bit. We're wired differently. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's cool. I just love, I'll, I'll go outside and sit on my back porch and just watch the sunset sometimes. And Tallahassee's got great sunsets. You can go outside and, and see the sky looks cotton candy half the time. So, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're unfortunately drawing to a close with a couple more questions. Um, you mentioned that your teammates will ask you about certain things that <laughs> coach ham coach Leonard Hamilton, by the way, legendary coach of the Florida state Seminoles. If you don't know anything about coach ham, definitely Google him because he's an amazing coach, amazing man. He graduates his players and so forth. Uh, has he ever talked to you about weather or so? Hey, 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 Prater, what are you doing over there? That weather stuff? Yeah. I mean, there, there was definitely, so uh, hurricane Michael came through a few years ago and we actually stayed here in the basketball training center for it. And so before the storm came through, Coach Ham's kind of asked me, all right, when's the last time we can kind of leave the gym to go get food maybe or something before the storm hits? Well, you know, when's the last time is it going to be safe? Uh, and stuff like that. Most of the time, whenever things are about to happen, and, you know, he's, he's got to figure out logistics of what's going on. He'll ask me that kind of stuff. And I don't, you know, and I had said this on an interview I did with the Weather Channel, but I was, you know, outside, of course, during the storm in the parking lot here at the uh, basketball training center, but I was just having fun, you know, and and so, uh, but yeah, anytime that something's going on, he'll ask me, because why wouldn't you, you got a meteorologist on your team. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you literally are a degreed meteorologist, and I think, you know, and again, just to reiterate that, uh, and I, I know we have some really young listeners, maybe some aspiring meteorologists, and I get this question a lot. I'm sure you do, Harrison. Well, what do I need to do or what do I need to be focused on in school if I want to be a meteorologist? I mean, make sure you're really nailing down that math and those physics courses, communication, uh, coding uh, computer is a big part of what That's we do. Now. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was going to ask you, like, is it sort of as we draw to a close here, just any advice that you would give uh, to an aspiring meteorologist or an aspiring collegiate athlete or perhaps both? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely think you hit the math and the science part and everything, physics, stuff like that. Uh, especially for undergrad, but as you get into grad school, I think the number one thing that I had wished I'd been able to work on more, maybe in high school or in undergrad, was just learning how to code because that is just a, an unbelievably large task, um, learning how to code and stuff like that. Um, and then I guess for athletes, just if you work hard and you love what sport you're playing, there's a place somewhere, whether it's D1, D2, D3, NAIA, for you to be able to you know, live out your dream if that's your dream. Uh, to, you know, play sports in college, you can make it work. So uh, yeah, don't, don't give up on that side. And then, and then definitely focus on the math, science, coding, all this, all that fun stuff that we love. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was impressed with Harrison from afar, just didn't having not met him or spoken with him because I just know what it takes on both ends of what he's done. Uh, But just really hearing his um, hearing him and getting a chance to talk with him, I'm even more impressed with him because I can clearly see he has a set of goals and focus that that is required to succeed in whatever he chooses to do. So last question, where where do you see yourself in, in five years? Oh, man, I, I don't know. And, and, and so <laughs> and that's a fair, fair answer, by the way. Yeah, Cause I mean, I, you know, you don't know where, what, where I'm going to get a job, what's going on. Uh, I hope I'm just happy with whatever I'm doing. I think that's all you can ask for in life is to be like, all right, you know what? Five years from now, I, don't, I may not know what I'm doing, but if I'm happy and I like my, my job and, and what I'm doing for a living and you know, who I'm with at the time, like my, you know, like the people in my life, then that's all I can ask for. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just be happy. And again, that, you know, I, 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 I'm glad to see that you got that master's degree because it really will uh, set you up in a, a lot of ways. And, you know, definitely, you know, I, you know, I, if you, if any, if, as a fellow Florida state alum or just someone in the field, if you have any need for advice, definitely feel free to reach out because I try to, right. I, and, and that's for anyone out there is listening by the way, that may be in our field as well. I mean, I'm pretty easy to find. So I'm always happy. Yeah, to help. Twitter, we follow each other. on. Yeah, 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 exactly. What, and give, give us uh, where can people follow you? Oh, yeah. Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can probably just search my name and it'll come up. Um, or I, yeah, I don't know my, my exact tag, whatever, but yeah, search my name and follow me and, uh, and uh, look at you and see if we can follow back, stuff like that. Absolutely. Well, best of luck in your, your thesis and research work. I'll be kind of keeping track on that because I'm kind of interested in the topic actually, <laughs> uh, but also, um, you know, selfishly, um, best of luck with the team this year as you all yeah. start to transition into the ACC season. But before we get out of here, it's time for the Geek of the Week. We like to highlight a scientist superstar, a great geologist, or a weather weenie at the end of every podcast. This episode's Geek of the Week is Ava or Eva Slater. Ava's passion for weather started earlier in her life when she saw a mammatus cloud that made her feel like she was in a dream. She constantly is tracking the weather across the country and wants to pursue a degree in meteorology in college someday and find a career in broadcast meteorology. Hey, that sounds like a plan, Ava. Just keep yourself um, focused and take some of the advice that Harrison just gave you today. If you or someone you know would like to be a geek of the week or you know someone that is a deserving candidate, be sure to follow our social media pages. Harrison, thank you so much for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This has been fun, just being able to chop it up, see what's going on. Oh, absolutely. I love to geek out. I mean, I, mean, I could talk yeah. shop all day, so I really appreciate you coming on and geeking out with us. Uh, and uh, thank you all for geeking out as well by listening, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. 
How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.